The Keeping It 1000 podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, and where you can get in on all of the action for the NBA, the NFL playoffs, college football, championship, and everything else you think you can bet on for sports. It's a great app. It's uh, got everything in there that you need. DraftKings Sportsbooks giving all new players a deposit bonus of up to $1,000 when signing up and using the promo code DNVR. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR when you sign up and get up to $1,000. That's code DNVR to get a deposit bonus of up to $1,000 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Or you can do what I do and just always bet on Jokic's assist totals until they get that thing up over 12. I'm telling you right now, is there a safer bet than Nikola Jokic hitting all of his numbers? The guy is averaging a triple-double, leading the NBA in assists. He got 12 assists last game, and it lowered his per-game numbers. So that's my little tip to you right now, my little secret. When you're on DraftKings Sportsbook, take Jokic. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. What is up, everybody, and welcome into Keeping It 1000 Season 2, brand new uh, podcast with myself and, of course, Denver Nuggets legendary coach George Carl. We break down the Denver Nuggets' latest recent trends, what's going on with them, what we like, what we don't like, what we hope to see in the future. Uh, coach Carl, so good to see you, and it's good to be talking basketball again. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm uh... I got a little bit of COVID frustration in my life. You know, I'm tired of my being locked in my my house a lot. I got I got a little cold the other day, and that created what the hell do I have? You know, do I have it? Do I gotta go to the hospital? You know, all this all those nervous stuff that we we react overreact to. But I'm fine now. I think it was just a cold, and you know. I'm I'm hoping for my vaccine. I'm I'm a B guy, so I got one A and one B got to get taken care of first. So, um, but you know, I'm, I think at least now I can plan something to do in March or something to do right. maybe in February, and uh, and get, you know, I'm a little sad because my son Kobe, the the the, the Lakers decide not to go into the bubble and. So Kobe is sad because he's not coaching, but uh, we, uh, you know, I think Kobe will survive it. I think yeah. he'll 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 evolve by going to Boise State practices, hanging out with coaches, doing a podcast here and there. Yeah, the G League bubble. Um, it seemed like only about half the teams opted to go into this. G They're doing the bubble inside of Orlando, and only teams could decide whether they wanted to go in. There was cost, of course, of going in and this or that, and about half the teams decided they didn't want any part of that. And then of course there's Denver who doesn't have a G league team, so they don't have to worry about it. Um, so I guess they nipped that one in the butt. Um, so I, I too, man, I, I was sitting with my wife as we were planning out our year and I kept, we kept saying, okay, what are some of the benchmarks this year? What are, and we kept thinking like, there's no benchmarks for, it. there's no vacation on the horizon. There's no this, we got six months probably before the vaccine arrives in our, you know, for us. So I, I empathize with you on that, but the Denver Nuggets season has started. That's been one good thing, in my opinion, because I like when sports are back. And I think it provides not just myself, but I think it provides society something very important. And this Denver Nuggets season, not off 
to the start that I think, um, you know, I certainly was hoping for. I think a lot of Nuggets fans were hoping for. But before we get to the Nuggets, I kind of want to ask you about this season because we just came off of the bubble and everybody knew that the bubble was different, that there was different challenges. It was a unique sort of uh, puzzle for everybody to solve. This season feels more like a regular season because it's, you know, teams are traveling. I guess that's why. And because it's a 72, instead of it being, you know, 10 game seeding round and playoffs, it's a full season. But I think the more we get into this, it's not a regular season by any means. How different do you think this season, this NBA season is going to be, has been already and is going to be? And what are some of the unique challenges teams are going to face with the way that it's set up right now? Well, that's funny. I was with some coaches last night and watching the game. And the one thing that stood out to me in watching games is how the start of the game is coming, becoming more and more valuable Hmm. than a regular game on, if you're playing on, if you're playing at home, you usually could afford a bad start, you know, because you relied upon the energy and the momentum of the home court. Now, if you get off to a good start, the home court kind of becomes yours. Mm-hmm. Even though you were on the road, there's the energy in the building. There's an energy when, when the, the team plays well. And because the fans can't take that energy away from the road team, the game actually feels like it's a home game for the team that's playing well. And that's unusual. And I think the biggest thing I took out of the bubble is the home court advantage. And I'm a huge, I coached home court advantages all my life. You know, I've had 39 wins, 38 wins at home court in Seattle and Denver. And I really believe the home court is powerful. And that in my mind has been changed tremendously by the bubble. And also now, you know, so when does it get back to the normal? Or does it get back to the normal? I would, I would be actually, if I was coaching the NBA today, I'd be going in. Now, I want to know, are we going to have fans? Or is this whole season going to be without fans? Because if there's variance here that I think is important to maybe how you coach a little bit mm. and how you start the game. And, and you know, you know, I always, I didn't mind starting the game young and inexperienced and experimental. Because my bench, I always had a, I always liked a good bench. And so the bench sometimes can be uplifting and that lifts everybody up. Because when the first team doesn't play well, the second unit lifts the game. And then the first unit knows it's got to lift this game. Right. And uh, so that's the one thing I, I've observed, not only in watching the Nuggets, but also in watching other, other games. It seems like when a player gets hot, it can last longer. It can go further. And it doesn't matter if it's on the road or at home because there's no powerful home advantage that happens in, you know, 10 or 12 or 15 NBA buildings. Don't get me wrong. There's, there's, there's 10 or 15 buildings that aren't very home court uh, favorable. But I do, I do notice that that's one thing. Um, so I, I don't know. You know, I, I haven't even read. Are they planning on bringing fans in or is it going to be well, 10 percent? 
there's a few arenas right now that are already allowing a few fans. I think Cleveland is one of them and they've been off to a good start. So maybe there's something to this, but there are a few arenas that are already allowing in a limited amount of fans, not a full, you know, but I wonder if even a limited amount of fans boosts it. If you get three, 4,000 fans, oh, it's not going to be a full arena, but there's still going to be that, as you mentioned, that emotional response to the game from the fan base that exactly that, that, that I think influences it. But what's interesting about what you're saying is, Prior to this season in, in the bubble, I thought of home court advantage being maybe 50% the crowd and 50% the travel and sleep and, and, and all of those different things that come with it and distractions. It sounds like maybe in your mind, it's a little bit less than that. Those things factor in, of course, but maybe that crowd is more than a little bit heavier of an influencer than, than what I was giving it credit for. I think the home crowd is heavier than 50%. No question. I'm, I'm thinking, especially in Denver, because the altitude, I thought that's another five or 10%. So I'm, I'm thinking in Denver, it's 70% maybe. Okay. Um, and the other thing is, I, you know, the contradict travel and load management and all this analytical stuff is going on on who to play, how to play and when to play players. I think is weakening the mental toughness of the NBA player. I like this. Uh, the NBA player, it is not easy. It is not easy to be a 35-minute stud in the NBA. It is hard. And so why do we want to weaken the mental toughness part of doing something hard because you might be a little tired? That is something that I am totally believing that Denver, along with a lot of young teams who are trying to get better and trying to make steps higher in, in their hierarchy of the NBA, and they have too much analytics, too much BS. I think the example I, where I reacted to this when I had a conversation with John Welsh, who worked for the LA Clippers, and their mess that they had last year yeah. was all based upon load management and pro and right. hypocritical priority prioritized treatment of the superstar. And, and if this is going to become a habit, you're not going to have mentally tough players. And if you want to beat LeBron, you better get mentally tough <laughs> because LeBron is a callous, tough SOB that acts like he likes you. But I want you to know, he is competitive to the point where his his desire to win a championship is greater than maybe everybody in the league. And, and, and the system is saying, we got to coddle these guys a little bit. We got to give some love to these guys a little bit. We got to pat them on the back. I believe in positive energy. I'm a huge positive person on a daily basis. You wake up positive and you go at it with a positive viewpoint. But when you have a hard task, you can't lie and hide the facts. I love this, not just on a basketball level, but I do think there's a balance between honestly assessing the challenge in front and looking at the positives and benefits. And when you talk about the analytics, you know, a lot of people that listen to this show and a lot of fans, I just think fans have evolved 
so far in that direction of, okay, what do the numbers say? And what does the science say this or that? And the science says that players are at a bigger risk, a greater risk for being hurt when they do this or this or that. But what I like about what you're saying is those things can be true. And it can also be true that mental toughness is this part that has become completely undervalued. And hey, yes, it's difficult. Yes, maybe there's a little bit of marginal increase in risk. But the reward for attacking that risk is that callousness, that toughness that prepares you for when the playoffs and when, when these things actually matter. And I think you're, you're absolutely right about the Clippers last year. They were, quote unquote, I'm making air quotes here. They were smart to rest their players, to keep them fresh for the playoffs. But they were dumb in that when they got to the playoffs, there wasn't a trust, there wasn't a toughness, there wasn't a togetherness that they needed to get through adversity, and, and, and it cost them. And I think that's a great sort of illustration of, of exactly what you're talking about. You I mentioned agree. you mentioned a second ago, though, about the teams. I mean, I'm just curious. This is real quick, but I wanted to go back to it. You said that there are some cor- you know, home courts that aren't very valuable i'm just curious with if there's three or four you could let us know which ones do you think are like oh that home court that's nothing that that's an easy home court to go into over the years the worst team i thought was lana um i thought memphis was a strange place to play um you know detroit was a cold arena after chauncey and you know in 20 in the early two thousands, it was tough, but later it was not a, not a difficult arena. Cleveland before LeBron was easy. Mm. Um, you know, let me run around. I think all, all the Texas teams are actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, Dallas has had. They, they say it's sold out, but it really isn't sold out. I don't think it's a great building, <laughs> right. but it has. Right. It does have people in it. Um. Phoenix became a dead building over the last couple of years, an, e- an easy building, in my opinion. And for many years, the Clippers, when they played not in the Staples Center, but played uh, in their old arena, was an easy building. How much do you think arena impacts it? How much is it fan base? Because you have sometimes it's like old mile high. It was so loud. It was ugly. It was it was whatever. But that was a good, and then you get the new building. It's a little nicer. It's a little quieter. So how much do you think the arena factors into that? It, as opposed to just the crowds? I don't have any idea why you want a nice arena. You know, <laughs> I want a house. I want a home. I don't yeah. want us. I want us. I don't want the same house that everybody else has. Right. Right. You know, I want a home that, ha- you know, I like, you know, I like the history of the Boston garden where the locker room one day you go in is hot. And the next day you go in it's freezing. <laughs> You know, I like I like the arenas that you know didn't have hot water in their showers. Yeah. You know, okay, that's that's our that's the that's the hand we're dealt. Yeah. You complain about it when you complained about it. Red Arbog did more. You know, he, he he gave you a practice site. He said it was ten miles from the arena, downtown, and it was twenty five miles from downtown. <laughs> so you know, the games were always there. Uh, I think when you try to play mind games when you're the best, I get I, I get more angry at those guys than right. guys that are trying to you know find a win by playing mind games because they can't win playing straight up. Yeah. Uh, but you know a lot of those things have changed, but I still don't understand why we. For a long time, I thought all the new arenas looked the same. Yeah. yeah. You know they're putting more boxes in because they right. make more money and. Yep. 
you know, they're trying to get more concessions and more entertainment value to get the women in the building and all that. But, um, you know, I, I, you know, Denver, I think the one thing I think they've done very well before and after me, well, not before a lot, but in the Doug Moe era and, and all that, the building is all, Denver has been a difficult place to play. Yeah. And they, I think they've just, they've regrouped that very quickly in the last couple of years, but it can go away. Yeah. You know, don't get me wrong. Right, it can go right. away. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, they want, and I always told my teams when I coached them was, you know, the fans aren't going to leave you if you play the right way and you play hard. Right. They'll leave you if you play selfish, if you have bad attitude looking bodies. Right. Right. And, and you say, and you say stupid things. Right. Right. One last one on this one. Guess I find this, this is why I like this show. Cause I get these insights from you, but we go back to 2014 NBA finals in San Antonio, all of a sudden the uh, air conditioner breaks and, and all of a sudden it's a hundred degrees. And I've heard from people that it wasn't a hundred degrees in the Spurs' locker room. So if you put your conspiracy hat on, on this one, do you think that specific, I've always wondered, do you think that specific incidents was just the case of an air conditioner breaking down, or maybe that was a purposeful air conditioning breaking down in that one? I got a worse one for you. Okay. <laughs> we play in game seven in the, at that time, the Eastern Conference Finals with Doug Moe as the head coach in San Antonio, we were in the East, playing the Washington Bullets in the finals of the Eastern Conference. And we're up 15 at halftime. And we take the game into the middle of the third to 16 or 17, and the lights go out. <laughs> and the lights stay out for 25 minutes. Oh, man. And they come back and beat us in the last two minutes of the game. Wow. Well, that and that's the one where Doug not only was pissed off the lights, but he's pissed off the referees. He said that I think he said the referees should be put in front of a firing squad. Oh wow. Which cost him at that time about five thousand dollars. But it, that would have cost him about half a million now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh no, I mean, you know, I, I don't think pop is into that. Yeah, but I do know. believe that. You know, there might have been, you know, there might have been one battery pack in the arena and it went to the San Antonio Spur locker room and it didn't go anywhere else. <laughs> right. Going to take a quick break here to tell you about DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. It's putting you in the center of all of the action with endless ways to make it rain every single week. They've got great deals. You guys know this. I tell you about it all the time. They've got these great bonuses like little odds boosts that, you know, you bet on something, the odds might be one thing for everyone, but you get a little odds boost that makes it a little bit sweeter for you to bet on that. Happens with NBA games, college football, NFL, whatever it is you're, you're like to bet on, DraftKings Sportsbook is your place to check out all of the options. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. It's safe, it's reliable, secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Uh, you don't want to forget to use that promo code DNVR when you sign up. You get the $1,000 bonus. That's uh, code DNVR to get a, a deposit bonus of up to $1,000 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. 
Well, let's move on to the season now. And there's going to be a lot of negative, I think, because the Nuggets are two and four. They've been underwhelming. They went to the Western Conference Finals. You expect great things. They haven't done it. But I want to start on what I think is a positive note. Maybe, maybe you don't. But Nikola Jokic, to me, every year for the last two or three has gotten off to slow starts. Came in last year overweight, maybe the heaviest weight I've ever seen. This year he comes in, I think he looks physically as good as he ever has. He's averaging a triple-double. He's leading the NBA in assists. To me, the the brightest spot of this Nugget season so far, and there's not a lot of them, has been Jokic, to me, looks like the best version of himself. What have you seen out of him, and what's your assessment of what level he's playing at so far? <clears throat> he's in it right now. If you do an MVP vote, you get he's in the top two or three. Yeah. Um, and the game is the game is getting easier to him. Yeah. I think he understands his responsibilities better. I think he's grown up. I think what you're seeing is a more mature version. Um, there's a part of his game that I get a little nervous about. Is that, that do you want him to be the leader in assists? Or do you want him to be a presence in the paint? Mm. Um, and that's a hard answer for me because I love triple doubles. I think that's why that's the best way to play the game. Um, but I'm, I just, you know, and I might be biased because I think, I think I've said this for four years, that the Nuggets need a point guard because I don't want, I don't want Jokic to have that total responsibility. Mm. And what I see, and I still see it today, and I, I don't know if you want to go here, but I'm, I'll go here anyway. Sure, wherever. Is they played well last night when they had three point guards on the court. Yeah. They played well because the point guard play was presence. It was predicated all over the court. You have, you have Jokic and three other guys playing point guard at a pretty good level, at the, right. at the top of their level. And then what I saw was Murray is so much more comfortable going after points than he is trying to be a better point guard. Right. Now, I don't know. It's only one game, and it's kind of came at a time where you had to win a game, and urgency and, and pride was on their side. And I still don't think they played that well. You know, but I think if I was sitting in Nuggets right now, I'd be going into the office going, don't we got to play Murray a point off guard and let him go? Let him be the best, best he can be of what he is instead of trying to change him into a point guard, which obviously in time has shown he's been good at, but he's also been average at. Hmm. And so the one thing with my coaches last night, I said, is it time to get rid of Gary Harris? Hmm. Not because Gary Harris is a bad guy. Not because Gary Harris is a bad player. Not because he's not playing well. He's been confused over the last year or two. But I still think he's, I think he's an NBA player. And he's going to be a damn good NBA player again someday soon. But who's better at off guard? Murray or Harris? Mm. I don't think there's anybody in the NBA is going to say Gary Harris. Right. And so... You know, my, my thing in basketball is you take your strengths and you magnify them. 
and you take your weaknesses and hide them. With right now with Murray and Harris, you're confused because you're kind of weak at the off guard, except when Murray scores a lot of points. Right, right. So you're weakening one of your best talents. Murray might be an all-star off guard. Right. And just a damn good player as a point guard. And that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing when you give Murphy, I'm sorry, you give Murray the free reign to go score points. He is good. Yeah. He's not, he's not only a good player, he's really good. And I see a face, I see a body language light up when he's playing free and loose to shoot the ball. And to your point, I think one of the balances with Jamal Murray, you know, I think he's been very good the last two games, but when we say he's been very good, he's scored a lot of points. He's been very good at at being aggressive and he makes good passes too, but that's not, point guarding is not just about making assists. It's about running the offense and, and getting guys in their spots and this or that. And I think what you're saying about Jamal is very true. He's very good when he's thinking score first, score second and make the right play, you know, maybe third. And and he's done a good balance of that, but he's a scorer. And that's why he puts up 36 points last night. So you have been on this for a while saying, you know, that you think Jamal Murray moving him either, maybe not even off ball, but just putting a true point guard alongside him is the key for unlocking him. Um, Is there a player on the roster that you look at right now and say, okay, this is a stopgap fix or maybe a permanent fix to that problem? Well, I mean, the only game you played with special with a special energy was when when Campasso was on the court. Mm. I don't know Campasso. He played. He's played probably three bad games. Yeah, one average game and one good game. So I don't know, but I love his. I love his. He has a spirit. He plays with energy. He plays yeah. with pizzazz he plays with toughness he might be the toughest guy on your court on your team yeah from what i saw last night he's not afraid he doesn't have fear um but that would be an overreaction to probably what happened last night to put him as a starter but you as a coach you're two and four right and i think the video will show that you didn't play that well last night yeah that Minnesota played hard and they tried and they had their moments, but because of their inexperience, they had a lot of bad moments and bad situations where their pickups were awful, their connection was poor and their shot selection got crazy at times, but they got a lot of layups. I like their talent. I like their size and um, they're not going to be a bad basketball team. You know, so it's like one in four you can overreact to and you can overreact to winning last night. There's got to be a little sense of balance and reality to it. And, you know, you, you know, you, you, you're, you got Minnesota again, and then you might get Dallas without Doncic, which would be a plus. And so you're back to 500. You talk about overreacting early on maybe not making an adjustment to the starting lineup. Cause that's a big change, a starting lineup mentally, emotionally, all, all that stuff. It's, it, it makes a big difference. But last night, the nuggets played a lot of different combinations. I thought maybe this was foul trouble, but 
we haven't seen Compazzo and Jokic a whole lot. We saw it a lot last night. We hadn't seen a lot of Compazzo and Murray. We saw some of it last night. So is that where you start? I mean, to your point, you saw something good. Let's go back to that more and more minutes, not as a starting lineup, but more of just, hey, we need to find a rotation that gets those guys there. Um, uh, I don't know. That's a, that's a tough question, maybe. Uh, because my, my belief that the, the, the problem I have seen from the very beginning, from what the, the moves they made in the summer, from the bubble to the moves in the summer until now, is they've weakened their weakness. Mm. Their weakness in the bubble and last year was defense. They're slowly disintegrating on a, on a, a consistent defensive plane statistically and, and on, on video. You can see they're not a good defensive team now. You wouldn't have said that about them a year ago. Um, and they did that, I think, because of the front office was lazy. I think the front office moves, letting three of their best defenders that played a third of their minutes that had grit and toughness go when they were not very good defensively. And they replaced it with potential players instead of definitive players. So, okay, could they be a good defensive team? Yeah. But it's probably not going to be happening until the end of the year, not in the beginning of the year. And the West is so good to have the irresponsibility of not improving your weakness in the offseason drives me crazy as a basketball coach. And then the other thing that the habit of making the same mistake year in and year out in the front office that, that drafts and trades for potential rather than definitive talent. And that's, they, they, like, they like to win the press conference in the trades. They want to win the press conference in the draft room. They've built that. They don't need that anymore. They need to build their team. And the responsibility of the team is develop a personality that's better than it was last year. And they didn't do that this past summer. Is there, so when you talk about potential players, let's get into it. The guy that is most indicative of that thing is Michael Porter Jr. And I think he's at the heart of so much. Obviously he's out right now with COVID protocols, but um, you replace Jeremy Grant and Tory Craig's minutes with Michael Porter's minutes. Now he's up. He's a 30 minute, uh, you know, per game kind of guy. So far, it's not going so well, even though he's scoring at a great rate personally, it, so far it's not going well. What have you seen out of him so far this season? Um, it just kind of give me your assessment of, of, of his play. He's a potential star, <laughs> but there's a, you know, there, there's a growth to a 21-year-old kid that he might not be that star until he's 26. Mm. I mean, and if I'm betting, I think he'll, he might be an all-star. I wouldn't bet that, but I think he's going to be damn good. But the style of messing and bringing, bringing that into a team that's trying to become a championship team messes with the personality and you you you've got to know that 
And then I, again, I, I wish Coach Malone would be sitting next to us and telling me he can make this work. But there are times it doesn't look good out there. Yeah. Is this a challenge? I mean, I, it's always tough, you know, to ask you to put yourself in another coach's shoes. But do you, I mean, is this a challenge a head coach wants? You have a Western Conference Finals team. Now let's bring in a 21-year-old with lots of potential. Or is that a challenge most coaches would say, man, that's one of my least favorite types of challenges? Well, you know, my drive in my career was to win a championship. I mean, I, I was naive because I always thought we had a chance. And now that I've been out of it for five, years, six, five or six years, it is really hard to win a championship. Yeah. And you can do everything right and do have a great year in Nottingham and you come out not even close. Um, I thought Denver for the last three or four years has been in a position to make a move to try to win a championship. They've failed in that area every time. And I don't know what trade you want to bring up. Mine's Chris Paul. I'm just going to tell you, look at Phoenix. Right. Chris Paul is going to make that team a damn good basketball team. Yeah. And, and they could have gotten Chris Paul. I know that. Um, but potential, evaluating, and it goes back a little bit to, you know, maybe, maybe the organization just wants to make money and have fun. But as a coach, you want to win a championship. And so can Porter Jr. bring you a championship in a trade? I think that window should always be open. Um, I'm not saying I don't know what's brought to the table, but I think in general, the organization, since I've left, has been in the potential more than the drive to be a championship team. Let them develop. Let them evolve. Well, the system caters to the good teams in the big markets with the superstars. The system enhances the L.A. Lakers to right. get Schroeder and Marcus Soule in the offseason. And that's not going to change. Right. And if they, if they don't win a championship, it's going to be hyper more favorable to LeBron trying to win a championship. So, okay, as an organization, you say, well, that's just what we're, that's the hand we're dealt. We're going to stick with our philosophy. Well, that's what, that's what divides coaches and management because the coaches know that they got to win. And if you, if you go to the conference finals, you got to win bigger. Right. Well, bigger right. And more. Well, why isn't that put on the management? Right. And that, and right now, I think the, the management is somewhat delinquent in what they've done. To push back on that a little bit, you know, the team has improved every single year. So they could slowly, step, slowly, slowly, sure, slowly, but still. slowly. I mean, it's a small stat that doesn't. That I mean, come on. I don't believe I, in that. I, well, I kind of disagree with you on this one because it's hard to make the conference finals in Denver. It's only happened a few times and Denver just did that. It's hard, you know, even to get to the second round in Denver and Denver just did that. So from my perspective, I look at it and I go, was it slow? Yes. When we talk about it was a five-year process to get to the point that they're at now, but it was a linear growth. And I, I mean, so I, it sounds like you just don't, <laughs> you don't, you don't really see that as, as, as this big positive that they've been moving in the right direction and still have a team that's young. Hey, I celebrate their success. 
I'm happy for their success. I want more for their success. I'm now a fan, an angry fan, instead of a happy fan. But no one ever blew them up with their maneuvers in the past and their personality of how they run the business. Mm. I mean, we've gone into this topic of how they run the business. Is it about money or is it about winning? And I don't know that answer. You know, I, I know Stan Kroenke really well, and I think Stan wants to win. But I also, a lot of people think Stan wants to make money, too. Right. You know, I don't think Stan's going to lose $10 million and lose and win. Right. You know, I mean, I think, I think it's, I think it's the dilemma of the NBA. Money has now become unbelievably big. It's gone from millionaires to billionaires. It's gone from players who made... You know, a big contract used to be $10 million. That contract's now $50 million. Yeah. And so there is, you know, for a better phrase, one of my friends always says, basketball is, is Hollywood now. It's not, it's not basketball, it's entertainment. And I don't, I don't like that, but maybe it's more true. It's more truth than I think it is. We go. I want to go back to to Michael Porter here because you you said something that I think is going to scare Nuggets fans, but it's also I think true that he might not reach that potential till he's 26, 27 years old. Well, he might not be in Denver even if he signs an extended contract. That might be beyond that that contract. But is it realistic to think that he could get there? Meaning, there being good enough to contribute to Denver contending for a title, could he get there this season? Is it realistic? Or, or is it even possible, in your opinion? I don't think it's possible, no. I don't think he has a position. I don't think he has a, a comfortable place on the team yet. I think there's jealousy in the game of basketball amongst mm. teammates that at times it looks like he is a little too thirsty for some of the veteran players last year. And he's a little too thirsty, maybe even today. Um, You know, you got to play winning basketball. And uh, I've had a lot of people on my staff and in my life that are statistic oriented. And Porter Jr.'s stats are going to light up the wall every day. Offensively, yeah. But when he scores points, I don't have a lot of confidence in us winning games. You know, I want to see him win a game and it's tough. Mm. You know, when, you know, when you get down 15 or 20 and all of a sudden he gets going and he gets a 35 point night in what I call filler points. I don't, I want the game that he goes down and, and, and into a tough building against a tough team and plays poorly for three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter figures it out. I want to see a different style of toughness and numbers in his game. And I don't know what he is yet. Is he a three? Is he a two? Is he a four? Right. Yeah. You know, I, 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 and I've always felt the hardest transition in basketball is that four guy that wants to play three and the three guy that plays better at four. That's a lot of confusion. Mellow. Yeah. I didn't want to play four. Well, there's a lot of players that in college are good because they're big, 
but they don't want to bang when they come to the NBA, so they want to go to the perimeter. Right. And my gut looks at the Nuggets right now is their best game is small. And all their trading of Plumlee and all the trades they've made, they've gotten small. And I know Malone's a big rebound guy, and I I don't know if they can be a good rebounding team. Mm. You know, they're small, and they got got Millsap now has to play at a higher level than he played at last year for the team to be productive. And I'm happy for him because he's playing very well. Uh, But, I mean – this is a team that was, okay, you're, you're going to brag on conference. And don't get me wrong. I mean, two, two years ago, they had the perfect hand dealt them in the sport. Yeah. And they, they lost in the second round where I thought they should have gotten to the finals yeah. and had a chance to scare Golden State. Okay, you're going to brag about them. That was a great year. Well, I'm sorry. I mean, there are circumstances that sometimes you get dealt a, good, a great hand which I did two years ago. The bubble, I'm always going to sit back and say, yeah, the bubble was the bubble. I liked it. It got basketball back in front of us, but there's no question it was a different year. And, and maybe we're still, we're still on that stage. You know, maybe we're still in the stage of the bubble that we, maybe that's what the Nuggets are doing. The Nuggets are saying these two years, we don't want to go crazy here. Let's just try to stabilize everything. And the year we want to go for it is next year. Hmm. I could live with that if that was what was what was has been predicated. Well, I'm definitely more impressed, I think, with the Nuggets' last two playoff runs than you are. I think that's one thing we've 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 come away with from this discussion. But I, you're also not wrong, though. They were dealt a perfect hand. They should have won Game Seven against Portland. They did not. I mean, those to me, there can be both successes and failures within those things. Um, but I also fully understand what, you know, what you're getting at here. I want to ask you, you keep talking about making that trade that could win now. And the one that's on the table right now for them, should they want it is James Harden. And I'm curious. No, 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 no. Well, that was easy. I thought we'd have a conversation of it, but let me hear it. No, I cannot. I, I'm turn off. To, I can't watch Harden. Play. I'm sorry. You can't watch it. Cause so is it, because you don't think it would win or you just because you don't like the style the per, you know all all of the other things to it i think the trade you make is you take murray and Jokic to f- make them better whatever trade you make harden's not going to make murray better right Harden, i don't think he's going to make Jokic better the great thing you have is Jokic makes people better murray probably doesn't have that skill so is there, there a player you know is there a player that makes both those guys grow that's the guy you gotta go find. And Harden's not that guy. Adam, I might be running out of gas here. I got I'm down to five percent, so I don't know how much uh, time I got. Well, that's good. Okay, well, we can wrap it up with this. Is just let's talk about this type of player that um that you think elevates him. What is the skill set? I mean, obviously it's got to be defensively, but what are some things you would be looking at? Well, the two guys that I thought were on the table were Holiday and Schroeder. Oh, okay. Those are the two guys that are on the table that I think Holiday fit the role. Yeah, yeah. Schroeder to me, I, I was a big Schroeder fan when he was in Atlanta. So I, I'm, I'm a big fan. Have, I mean, I thought he was a starting point guard in Atlanta. Now, a lot of people say he's a little different, a little weird. He's not, he doesn't have a, a leadership personality. But he's, a hell, he's big. He has defensive instincts. 
And when he gets going offensively, when he's making a shot, he's, he's very undefendable. So that, those are two guys that come to mind. A Chris Paul, a veteran. I like veteran players more than I like young players because there are not a lot of young players playing on championship teams. Point blank. Look at it. Study history. There are not a lot of young players on championship teams. That's why Jokic and Murray excite me. Right. So how can I get five years out of Jokic and Murray? Well, maybe I can do that with a young, an old veteran for two or three years, and then someone else comes along. But putting potential and making your team weaker and younger with your decisions, I think the team right now is in a year that they're going to have to make those decisions in season. Mm. Well, this was good stuff, Coach. I liked it. There was a lot of big topics that we hit with the Nuggets that I think helped frame the conversation of both what's happened in this first week of the season, but also I think what is going to be themes throughout this entire season and perhaps even beyond when we talk about what is Denver trying to become? What and how do you maximize this window that Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic have opened? And I know a lot of fans are probably going to disagree. And I think a lot of fans are going to have their eyes open to, hey, this is the reality of the situation and the difficulty of building a contender, given given where, where you're at right now. So this is a fantastic conversation and, and more to it. I'm excited to have these conversations with you all season long. We're going to be doing these every two weeks. Uh, for those of you listening, we're going to be doing these every two weeks throughout the entire season, kind of checking in on what the latest trends are with the Denver Nuggets, where they're headed and what's happened. And I look forward to it. Um, Coach, thank you so much for taking the time. It's a great conversation. Adam, the one thing I want to add is the Western Conference is really good. Really good. And I, and I, and I know we say that every year, but I'm going to tell you, there's 14 pretty good basketball teams right now. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and, and, and I think, again, when you go to the conference finals, there's an arrogance that comes with it. Yeah. Pat Riley wrote about it in his books. Rick Pitino's wrote about it in college basketball. That success breeds arrogance. Mm. And I really see a little arrogance in some of their decision-making this summer. It's mm. good stuff. I There's just... a lot of teams out there that are very, very hungry to be good. Well, there's no question about it. The Western Conference is loaded, as you mentioned, 14 teams. I'm guessing Oklahoma City, the one team you, you'd think maybe not. I not like a... how they play. Yeah. Right now they're playing the right way. I don't know. I've been with that team where, you know, you play hard, you play the right way, and the game is just a little bit too long. Yeah. And that's what, happened. that's what happened. Oklahoma's had at least two or three games where at the beginning of the fourth they're up eight or ten, and the other team just tightens it down and wins the game. Dallas, Golden State, Portland, Denver. Well, one of these teams is not going to make the playoffs. I mean, there's just so many good ones that a team that expected to contend for a title this year is going to be on the outside looking in when everything gets started. So uh, I think you're absolutely right. Don't forget, guys, subscribe. Keeping it 1,000. Not all of these are going to be popping up in every podcast feed, so you're going to want to make sure you don't miss any of them by subscribing to the Keeping It 1,000 podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. We'll see you here in a couple of weeks. As we get out of here, don't forget this show is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, exclusively brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. The app that's putting you at the center of the action with endless ways for you to make money betting on sports. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new players a deposit bonus of up to $1,000 when signing up using promo code DNVR. DraftKings is safe, reliable, secure. This isn't some offshore thing. This is right here, uh, obviously legalized in Colorado, easy for you to use. 
It makes it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get $1,000. That's code DNVR for limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Bonus is comprised of a first deposit. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700.